folks, welcome back to the Anthony Gordon Show, coming to you live from Orlando, Florida. Now, this is stuff one cannot possibly make up. <laughs> I think we've discussed in the show before um, the fact that I think part of my, my belief structures that there are no accidents. So uh, very, very, very special guest that, frankly, I didn't realize until probably 60 seconds ago uh, that uh, <laughs> Sierra Range Jones, who's I'm going to tell you folks about, is A, in the same city as me, unbeknownst to me, uh, Orlando, Florida right now. But I think more relevant to the discussion we're going to have, um, so much of the thesis of the show, uh, so much of the, the really the reasons why I launched the Anthony Gordon Show um, revolves around, I guess, two themes. One um, is hopefully giving folks a GPS so that one can reach the final destination, if you will, and make as little recalculations as possible. And one of the other, sort of the second theme that I'm sure uh, listeners you know, now are aware of, is how in life we all have vicissitudes. We all have curveballs. We all have failures. We all have events in our life where we want to look heaven bound and say, why me? And the focus, I think, over the, over the last many shows is, you know, how to take the stumbling blocks and uh, turn them into stepping stones. And as I'm doing some mm -hmm. research, preparing for the show, two clear things that jumped out uh, at me in looking at uh, Sierra's sort of background is one, um, the focus of um, helping folks recognize their innate gifts and talents and empower them. And one of the other sort of quotes or uh, points that I saw, Sierra, in your background is the just the transformative power of pain and how it pushes us closer to our purpose. So I could not possibly script <laughs> a better <laughs> a intro and a client and a guest who's tailor-made for the Anthony Gordon Show. So a very, very warm welcome to the Anthony Gordon Show. Sierra Raines-Jones, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. And welcome to to Orlando, which we so affectionately call the city beautiful. I'm yep. sure that you're going to enjoy your time here. Thank you. It has been before that uh, here, here for a short sojourn with uh, uh, with my family. So what I'd like to do, um, you know, to help our listeners get a context. Um, I mean, you've you've uh, you've overcome so much and you've achieved so much, but I think that what's helpful is to get a sense of your background. And the reason I like to do that is. So many folks say to me, Anthony, well, it's easy for you to say, you know, uh, you went to Harvard, blah, 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 or it's easy for you. The truth is both of us know that no one achieves any form of success or greatness without, you know, tremendous grit, intestinal fortitude, work ethic. So help us understand, I guess, some of your early formative years. And if you, if you don't mind sharing some of the sort of the challenges uh, that you had to navigate around um, as part of your journey? Absolutely. So I grew up here in Orlando, Florida. Uh -huh. um, I grew up um, in what most would call um, very low socioeconomic backgrounds. Yep. Um, because we were on Section 8 and government assistance throughout my childhood, I did attend, you know, Title I school. You know, I graduated from Evans High School right in Pine Hills. 
yep. um, which is infamous for its crime and its violence and its drugs. This is my community. You know, these were, I would say, what people who I love, my family, you know, people who I, well, you know, I'm growing up with. And from there, I graduated from high school and I did attend Florida A&M University, which is an HBCU, historically black college university. Yep. And what I learned very early on, and I love how you made the reference that although you went to Harvard and I went to an HBCU, um, in life sometimes we find ourselves in the same storm, but we're not always in the same boat. You know, yep. the, the journey to get to greater is not always the same. But there sure. are some things that keep us coming. And what I like to think about, um, just using that analogy of being in a boat, um, water can't sink the boat unless it gets in. So that emotional, mental fortitude is what really, really drives greatness, no matter where you're from. But I grew up with parents who were struggling with drug addiction. Um, I remember wow. growing up in elementary school, and yeah. all five of my uncles were on crack cocaine at the time. And oh, it was gosh. me and all my cousins living in uh, one house. And we would, you know, it was it was a struggle. However, yeah. I'm so grateful to be where I am, and I can't. I have to give credit, um, number one, to my faith in God, um, yep. to to just something that was in me, something so innate. Because when I look at my siblings and some of my family members who grew up in that same house, you know, we turned out different. So there's yep. something innate that was in me that that pushed me. It was like a um, what I like to call I was preserved with purpose, and I don't take it lightly sure. because I'm so grateful. I've been able to navigate such tough terrain um, in my early yep. childhood. My focus is to always come back because there are so many mentors, teachers, and coaches. I remember when I got pregnant my uh, freshman year in college, and I would I did not want to come back home. Like I could not come back to Orlando, Florida without my degree. And because I was so relentless and determined to finish in spite of, I had yep. professors and teachers and roommates who all pitched in to make sure that I could finish, whether that was babysitting my daughter or allowing my daughter to come and sit with me um, during midterms. Just all those things matter. And so I understand how hard it is to have a gift, to have a vision, but also just need support and someone who's further along to speak life into you. And so I make it my business to be very active in my community, um, to reach those youth who are gifted, who are special, who just need a little bit of guidance. That's so special. Um, what do you think it was, Sarah, that growing up, and I've actually had guests before uh, who had sort of similar challenges, growing up in a home where you saw uh, drug addiction, you saw folks that, you know, whose lives seemed to become unglued. What do you think it was that caused you to, instead of sort of going into the corner, feeling sorry for yourself and saying, wow, you know, everyone else has got you know, a fair starting life, look what happened to me. What do you think it was that sort of um, helped you focus on not not sort of throwing a pity party, but rather saying, you know what, against all odds, here I go? Honestly, I would have to contribute that to just having a vision. You yeah. know, I was lucky or blessed enough to see outside of my situation. And I think that's the thing that pushes humanity forward, just having yeah. a vision for the future. I saw myself um, successful. I saw myself, you know, overcoming generational bondage. I refused to settle for what I saw in front of me. And I believed that it was more to life, even if it was just a little exposure from, you know, a friend who happened to be on the cheerleading team who lived in a more affluent side of town. So it was that that exposure, I got a chance to see it. Or if it sure. was that mentor, that, that cheerleading coach 
who would take me and show me different things. I think that was the biggest thing for me. I was blessed to be able to see outside of my circumstance so that Amazing. I knew that it was possible. Um, it was the vision, the possibility that, that pushed me. You know, when things got harder, I knew that there was a possibility for something different. And I was yep. just so determined to make that happen in my life. So there's two things that you've just said that, I'll very, that I want to sort of drill down on. You know, one of the things that I, that I think's, think differentiates um, uh, this podcast from, from many, many podcasts uh, out there. And, and I, I think, um, and this is my own analysis, the reason why we've had you know, a lot of success recently and, and just developed a tremendous amount of traction, uh, specifically during um, this pandemic where folks are sort of hunkered down, um, they're in, you know, they, they're more introspective, they're doing some more soul searching. And, you know, I guess... <clears throat> some of the, the, the messages has resonated. I think there's two points that I want to drill down and here, and that is one, um, you, you clearly have a vision. You have clarity of where you want to be three, five, seven years from now. And all the research, all of the research indicates that one of the main differentiators between folks that really actualize uh, their potential versus folks that sort of, um, you know, maybe meander in mediocrity is either journaling, having a specific vision, which they can even actually um, actually have a, have a graphic picture that, that's in them, either their mind's eye or they sort of keep in a conspicuous place. So that's one thing. And the second thing is your faith. And it's unbelievable, Sarah. You know, I, I, uh, I counseled someone many years ago through, who was an alcoholic um, it was such a learning experience for me because I went with this person through the 12-step program, uh, sat with them at times, they you know, read the big book and what I, in terms of the research that I did on the 12-step program, when they took God out of the equation in the 12-step mm. program, it just fell flat. So if there isn't some notion of let go, let God or something that's, trend, that's greater than us, it's hard for me to understand how how folks that don't have that spiritual connection are able to sort of overcome some of the curveballs that, that are, you know, almost guaranteed to, uh, you know, to cross our paths in this journey called life. Right. Well, I'll be honest, my very favorite personal development tool has been the Bible. Yep. It has been my favorite. I find so many wow. life principles there all the time, whether it's the stories in the Bible or, you know, how they were able to overcome. I find a lot of strength and wisdom from that book. Um, one of my favorite scriptures um, as it relates to vision is Habakkuk 2 and 2, and it says to write the vision and make it plain. And so for me, I wow. literally mind dump every morning, even with my team and my staff when I go into work, we make mind dumping a practice before we have our group meetings at the end of every day. And at the beginning of every shift, we mind them. These are ideas, thoughts, visions that we have in our minds, even tasks or to-do lists, clients that we need to follow up with. But we literally make sure every day that it hits the, um, our whiteboard. We have a whiteboard in our office. That's so cool. Seeing it is just the first step. It's so awesome and it's so effective because being able to see it is the first step because you cannot be what you cannot see. And I'm a firm believer of that. And so um, thoughts become things. If you take the, act, the necessary action to make it manifest. And yep. so journaling and just writing it and visualizing it, those are always just the first step. You know, vision is easy. It's yep. really easy yep. to dream a dream. Um, the, the difference between 
you know, visualizing and materializing is the action in between. You know, do you have a strategy? Vision and strategy should go hand in hand. It's not enough just to have an idea if you're not willing to make those or take those action steps and make it, you know, manifest in your life. Beautiful. I, I'm, I'm, I could not concur uh, more with, uh, with those sentiments. So it is so much, I see so many similarities in, in, in um, you know, your approach to uh, a, a life and B coaching. Tell us a little bit, uh, Shira, about uh, 2013. My understanding is you launched Limitless Living, uh, which is, a, mm-hmm. as I understand, it's a full-service coaching firm. I, I mean, I love what you're doing. I, I see so many differentiators between what you're doing um, and other folks who, I guess, are using the name uh, or, or the term as a coach. Tell, 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 just if you could give us some some idea of the mission statement of Limitless Living, what the profile of your clientele are, uh, and what you think is a success story of, uh, like, if any of the listeners wanted to were to engage your services, what would be the the goal at the end of going through um, one you know one of your uh, coaching courses? Right. Okay. So in 2013, I was sitting in the garage and I was doing one of my mind up. Like, you know what? This is right after my grandmother had passed away. She was about 62 at the time. And she was living with me um, the last seven months of her life. Um, And she was terminal. And so during that time, I was about 23. Um, I was a juvenile attention officer at the time. And I was also building my business. And so I was working with a lot of at-risk youth, and I was always just a big dreamer, you know? Yep. And so I remember during that intricate time of uh, our, our intimate time together where she was in the last phase of her life, and life was just kind of opening up for me. We would have different conversations that we would, as we would sit and talk. And one day I asked her, I'm like, you know, what was your dream? And she said she never really had one. You know, she was raised in a small town in Georgia. And so for her, success was moving here to Florida and working for a rich white family who she was able to care for. So yep. for her, that was success. She never dreamed of anything bigger than that. And what I realized during our time together is there's there's such a thing as running out of time. And as yep. I held her hand and she transitioned, I remember walking out of the hospital room where she had passed away. And once I got to the hallway, you know, there was nurses at the nurses station and they were just talking and making plans for what we're going to do after work. And there was a kid at the Coke machine grabbing a Coke and life just was going on. Like she had just taken her last breath and life was just happening for everybody else. And that's when I realized that when my time came, I wanted to do something to make a difference. And the only way to make an impact with your absence on this planet is if you do something so profound, so profound with your presence, you know, and I realized that I wanted to make a difference. I saw just how easy and final and definite that final breath was. And it activated something in me that allowed me to become even more determined to do something great with my life. And I just set out on a mission to really discover what that was. And so when I work with my clients, our live limitless mission is to empower our clients. Number one, discover purpose and profit always follows. How do you make a greater impact? How do you take what you've been through and extract the lesson from it so that yep. now you're not a victim or just a character in your story, but now you can stand on top of your story? Even with our publishing company, which we are uh, most reputable for, yep. our yep. mission is to teach our clients how to transform 
powerful messages into powerful movement. You know, your story is what will inspire people and perhaps make you more relatable, but it's the solutions that people buy. It's the solutions that change people's lives. And so our clients, our ideal client is someone who's been through something. They survived something, but yep. getting through it was not enough. They want to share what they learned. They want to help someone else along the way. And so we literally extract the lessons from your life's hardships, your life's journey, even your expertise. And we package that in a book to be of service to a particular audience, to a niche. And what yep. that does for our clients is it positions them as an authority in their own lane. And so from there, we're able to build a community around their services, a community around their message for people who are most likely to like, love, buy, recommend, and need what they have to offer. And so we really work on helping our clients discover what is it that's so special about me? And then how do I take that thing and live limitless with it? Love it. I love it. You know, I'm going to paraphrase um, a quote that I believe is credited uh, to uh, to Winston Churchill when he said that in this journey called life, many people trip over the truth, but sadly, most get up and keep running. Meaning, I think you lost someone near and dear to you. At this point in my life, I think it's fair to say I've spoken to hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people on the, uh, on the speaking circuit at retreats and webinars. I, 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 I meet a ton of people who've been through um, really tough times. I think that you, uh, certainly myself as well, you know, are wide in a certain way, sensitive in a certain way to say, one second, I just saw someone that I love and adore um, who was alive one moment, was no longer with me. That has to trigger an existential question, what, what, you know, what's this all about? And yet, Sierra, I speak to tons of people that block it out, refuse to sort of broach anything uh, that's even quasi-existential. I'm just interested in your thoughts on, on what are the kinds of folks that actually land up, um, you know, reaching out to Live Limitless who are, you know, the folks that have been through something and want to sort of package that and, and take, uh, take the, the lemon and share the lemonade as opposed to so many people that, you know, are trying to be Teflon, you know, uh, cowboys don't cry, et cetera, et cetera. What do you think differentiates the folks that go through something and use it as a stepping stone as a catalyst to change directions or to, you know, for it to be a, a really a teachable moment as opposed to, I think many people that just wait for the wound to heal and keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think it goes back to um, just, just having a, a vision for the future that's yep. better than where you are. When I wrote um, my first book to dance in the rain, I actually wrote that book after um, losing my grandmother. And so the whole um, wow. tone of that book was for us to learn that, you know, the storms will come. It's inevitable. Sure. But if we can change our perspective on, on problems and we can change our perspective on pain and learn to not, you know, resist the inevitable, but to embrace it as it comes to nourish something within us. And so when I think about rain, I think about how it penetrates the earth and it allows the seeds underneath to grow, you know, without the rain, without the storms, our life, our planet would be barren. And so while no one really loves getting wet, um, it's that perspective shift. Like I don't, it's really uncomfortable to lose people. Grief is uncomfortable. Loss is uncomfortable. Being poor is uncomfortable. 
But these are certain things that, you know, we haven't been quite able to figure out how to get rid of. And so if they are going to be a part of our human experience, what is it about the human spirit that can overcome and rise and learn to embrace these things? And so for me, that was the biggest thing. It's a matter of perspective. And just like you said before, faith is a perspective. Faith is an outlook. You know, faith is a mission. It's a motto. When you choose to endure knowing and believing that there's something better on the outside of it, when rain comes and it hits the ground, we believe that what's planted in that soil is going to grow. And so while the rain is uncomfortable, it serves a purpose. Just like pain and loss and grief, they're, they're painful, they're uncomfortable. Nobody wants to go through it. But if we're wise enough to shift our perspective, we can learn how to extract purpose out of the things that hurt us the most. Beautiful. It, really, it's incredible, Sierra, how, how so much... Uh, so so many ways that we both see the world are uh, are, are similar. So I'm I'm gonna peel back the onion a little bit, maybe you know, ask you some tough questions because I think that um, I think it's important for our listeners, and I, I think the reason why the show's you know has developed a following is I I try and not talk you know a, a mile wide and half an inch thick, but rather just sort of drill down so. Here's what I would 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 sort of would be the first question uh, for us to explore together. Do you think, Sarah? Do you think most people are, are happy or unhappy? Um, in today's society, I think most yep. people don't know what happiness is. I think happiness has gotten lost in meaning. Um, I think we've become so used to immediate gratification and vanity metrics that we feel that instant boost of dopamine if we get enough hits on our Facebook post or enough people like our selfies, you know, if we are validated by other people. And so I think true happiness, I think it's lost its definition. It's been kind of replaced with this AI um, perspective of validation. And I think it's really damaging to us um, in a society as a whole. True happiness, just like every other human emotion, it's fleeting. And that's to be expected. Joy, pain, happiness, laughter, everything's fleeting, you know, it changes. And so what I find to be problematic is that so many people, we only want to experience the good emotions. We only want to be happy. We only want to be like, we only want to be loved, but that's not the totality of the human experience. There comes all these other emotions too, you know, emotions, they're meant to move through you. They're meant to flow. They're they're meant to be in motion. But so often we resist things because we've lost our ability to endure you know, we've lost our ability to work through hard things without yep. expecting someone to rescue us. Um, what I've learned is that sometimes the answer to the problem is within the problem and you got to go through it to get to the other side yep. of it to realize the purpose, you know, the reason why. So happiness, I think, because it's so fleeting and because society's expectation is to always be in this happy place, we've yep. lost the appreciation for the, the true essence of what happiness is you know joy is lasting but happiness just like pain and fear and everything else it's fleeting and so I think as a whole we would do really well if we learned just some emotional intelligence if we just kind of you know got really clear about how emotional intelligence is going to make just us better as a people yep I think we'll see people happiness I think we'll see a lot of people who can just kind of you know, learn to, number one, identify true happiness in their lives. 
true coping mechanism for times when they're not happy. And we can kind of get back to that joy, which is, which is, you know, which is innate. It's not, you know, determined by your social media status. It's not determined by how many views on your recent posts, but Mm -hmm. it's something that's on the inside of you. And I think we just kind of have to get back to that. It's it's amazing that you say that because I was on a uh, part of a discussion recently where similar to what you just said, I, you know, is I'm a, I'm a big believer that one of the, the challenges of the millennial generation, and I see that's certainly one of the target demographic audience that you, uh, that you focus on in, in terms of one of your books. Um, sadly, I see, and I see this with, <clears throat> you know, some of my own kids who are in that sort of age bracket is it's such a reactive generation. You know, it's, um, it's contingent, as you as you said very correctly, on responses to social media, um, the the notion of um, FOMA, you know, fear of missing out. You know, by definition, these things are cause a person to think that you know one's one sense of peace and happiness is contingent on something that's external or you know what a third party might say or believe. <clears throat> and I think you're one hundred percent correct. Um, Unless one, you know, is centered, one has a purpose, one is, you know, is focused on what one wants to achieve. I see so many people building lives that is really a reactive response to what uh, they are hearing and seeing and doing things just to endear themselves to people that, frankly, themselves are confused. Yeah. So, so let's let's pivot a little bit. Um, and, and talk a little bit about your um, the, the books that you've written. And out of the books that you've written, um, if you could just give uh, our listeners just a, a little bit of, a, of an overview, what, um, you know, what what is, I mean, I, they're both, all three books that I'm seeing, To Dance in the Rain, um, second, the, the, the Nine Keys, which is a millennial's guide to greatness, and then, and then the fo- focus, uh, faith, just with all three, uh, uh, I think your third book, it's in, it's possible a dreamer's manifesto to overcome opposition. Just, it's incredible. <laughs> all three are so <laughs> subtopics of what I've discussed. Um, can you touch on, just again for our listeners, Craig, I think you've spoken a little bit about To Dance in the Rain. You know, that was so soon after you had gone through this, um, you know, this personal loss. And it sounds like it's, you know, almost a public journal of, you know, um, how to respond to the inevitable, you know, rainfalls that we all have to deal with. What, are, what, are, um, can you just touch a little bit on the thesis of the other two books, the, uh, nine keys to unlock purpose, potential and, and personal power, which I think is fabulous. And then the, the, the other book of, uh, it's possible. Yes, absolutely. So, um, so Ms. Limitless was the second book that I wrote. I found it necessary to write it because after I released the first book, it was so well received. I ended up landing a radio segment on wow. a radio show in Phoenix, Arizona. I started to get booked for speaking engagements, and it just kind of blew up. At the time, like I said, I was still working as a juvenile detention officer. And yep. so that book really just kind of catapulted my voice. People wanted to hear what I had to say, and, and that was just so beknownst to me. And then I started realizing that when I would get booked for speaking engagements and I would show up, people would be so shocked that it was me that was showing up. They were expecting <laughs> an older lady. <laughs> I'm like, I'm Sierra. And they were expecting so much more, I guess, someone older. 
And yep. so what yep. I realized just kind of from the feedback that I received that people were very moved by the wisdom in my, in my work, sure. but they didn't quite understand how at such a young age, because at that time I was 23, 24, how I was able to just kind of articulate it with such depth that it had to come with experience. And so, um, and to dance in the rain, I just, I kind of shared inspiration, but I didn't share a lot of my story. And so with Live Limitless, I went in and I, and I talked more about some of the stories that had brought me to that level of enlightenment. And yep. I also shared strategies, you know, this is my story, but um, this is what you, if you find yourself in this situation, these are some practical steps that you can do, or these are some things that you can employ in your life um, to experience the transformation that my book promises because these are the things that helped me. And yeah, so yeah. Live Limitless was a little bit more in-depth. It shared more of my story. And it also shared some solutions and more insight from my readers who also wanted to you know, become more evolved. And then the last one, um, it's possible, um, A Dreamless Manifesto to Overcome Opposition. That one is more of an anthology. I had worked with so many women all around the world, um, built a really great, amazing following of women who were just really just caught on to the move, the Live Limitless movement. And yep. so when I was writing the book, I actually lost the manuscript. And um, mm. I put a post out on Facebook, like I just lost my manuscript. The book was getting ready to be published in like three months. And so I was really down about it. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to open this opportunity up for other women to share their stories. I put That's the post amazing. out on Facebook. Literally, like, by the end of that day, I had about eight women who reached out, wanted to be a part of it, and paid their money to share their stories. And so it was just a win-win. Um, what that book really shares is really amazing professional women, entrepreneurs, just women who've really been able to make something of themselves despite life opposition, whether it was losing a loved one, overcoming cancer, you know, going through a divorce. Because yeah. so many times we hear these dark, heavy stories. And it leaves you just feeling heavy. And I'm like, you know what? Your story shouldn't leave people in the dark. Your story should lift people up and give hope. And so that's what um, It's Possible was all about, just to kind of spread the idea that it doesn't matter where you start. It matters where you finish. You know, Beautiful. take the hands that life gave you, and you can still win with it. It may be a mindset shift. It may be a shift in your perspective. Um, maybe your, your actions need to change. Maybe you need to hold yourself accountable. Maybe you need therapy. You know, maybe you need a kick in the butt, but whatever it is, no matter what hand you're dealt, no matter how um, unfair it may seem, as long as there's a post, then there's still power and God still has a plan, which is my perspective. And sure. so really want to just encourage people to continue to pursue purpose and, you know, to, to pursue growth in their, their lives and in their businesses. Beautiful. You know, it's so, as I listen to you, Sarah, it's, uh, <clears throat> I think that, I think we probably both driven in some, you know, in some sense uh, by, I think something that's, that's common to both of us. I'm going to be quite audacious to have a shot at this. I think probably we both are old souls. Um, you know, both of us <laughs> I, <hear that> a lot. <laughs> I think we both had to uh, grow up pretty quickly. I, I think we, what I told you, you know, before we went live is that, you know, as a more observant uh, Jewish person, you know, I always um, have often seen myself in the minority. Um, I've often, you know, both yourself as an African-American woman and myself as a more observant 
Jewish person, this, there's a lot of common denominators in terms of, I think both of our demographic cohorts have had to navigate around persecution, has have had to um, maybe, uh, you know, really, really believe in ourselves a lot because it's it's um, a little bit outside of of of, uh, of the norm. I think we both are God-centered people, um, which I think my late mom was a, a very prominent therapist in South Africa and a, a very much a proponent of Viktor Frankl's uh, you know logotherapy, which is the whole um, really underscores that that at the end of the day, people have to have a meaning and a purpose to life if you want to have mental health and if you want to really um, always remain focused. Um, so if you had to, if you had an audience now um, of, uh, you know, millions of millennials all over the world and you were given the opportunity <clears throat> to give them only three, let's say three uh, life tools, you know, or, or three things that you think would help them uh, navigate through their respective lives um, and the kind of things that you and I both know Ivy League schools don't teach you. Um, th these are, I think, the, the uh, lessons in life which sadly are not memorialized in any syllabus. What, what, can you share with us, the, if you will, the three concepts, ideas that you, that you think would be most helpful um, you know, so that, that that folks have a little bit more of a of a GPS, or a little bit more of a light, if you will, in a, in a pretty dark world. Right. Well, this is the thing that I love about um, the millennial generation. I actually wrote about this in a Forbes article, and it said that you know millennials were often misunderstood. You know, people would say that we were lazy, we didn't value hard work. And yeah. when I took a dive into that, what I realized is that it's not that we're lazy. It's just that we're uninspired by work that doesn't fulfill us. Um, I worked in law enforcement for a while. I remember showing up to work and um, some of the elders there, you know, they were, they've been there 25, 30 years and they were just waiting to retire. And then after retirement, they would leave. We would have a big, you know, little email celebration. A year yep. later, we get another email. This person passed away from a heart attack. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, it's I so don't want to live my life. It does. I don't want to live my life building or doing work that doesn't inspire me. And I think that's the thing with millennials. We're yep. so, we've watched our parents commit to jobs that literally killed them. Yep. We've watched yep. our loved ones yep. up every day and go to work and, you know, barely pay off the house or barely exactly. achieve their dreams. You know, they gain weight, they get overweight, they become miserable and they die. And yep. I think for millennials, we saw that firsthand. It's just like, you know what? That's not the American dream. That's yep. not my dream. And we, we were bold enough to challenge the status quo and say, you know what? I don't want just a slice of the American pie. I want to bake my own cake. You know, I don't want to, I don't, we don't have to go the traditional route. If we live in a free world, then we should have the power to create life in our own image, you know, create life and design the world in a way that serves our goals and our desires. And so if I could speak to millions of millennials all around the world, I would encourage them to, number one, continue to dream big and think forward, because I think that's the thing that sets us apart from other generations, is that we're so committed. Um, we're, we're just big thinkers. We're visionaries. Yeah. And so I would say to continue to dream big and think big, because I think that's what's going to be necessary 
to dispel systemic oppression because we're going to realize that we're more in common than we are different. And if we're ever going to survive in this world, it's going to be a collective effort, whether you're Jewish, brown or Muslim, whatever your background, whatever your beliefs are, we have to realize that we get one planet and God has not given us any more land. And we have to learn how to take care of the planet that we have and come together. I believe, um, scientists are saying we have about 12 years to fix this climate change issue. And I think these are the things that we need to realize that make us have more in common than any of our differences. We all have a desire to live and love and raise our families and to achieve our dreams and to achieve our goals, you know, and to wake up the next day and do it all over again. And if we can kind of focus on what we have in common, then collectively we can come together and make our world a better place because I do believe we have more in common. And I do believe that the the mindset that is survival of the fittest versus survival of the group is what is killing um, us as a society. And so I would um, just encourage my fellow millennials to continue to think forward and to continue to focus on building community and to eat healthier you know, to eat clean. <laughs> and I think we have, I, I think we have, our generation has become very focused on wellness and fitness. And I just sure. really, really love to see it. Um, and I would just say, continue to think outside the box. It's the thing that makes us different. You know, yep. people who color in between the lines, they rarely ever change the world. And so I would just encourage my fellow millennials to continue to think big, think forward, become more tolerant and understanding, have more grace and compassion for one another and realize that the only race that really matters right now is the human race. And if we can look beyond our, our, our aesthetic differences and understand that it's the soul that wants to live and this is the soul that wants to thrive and you kind of just continue to focus on true wellness, mind, body, and spirit, I think we'll be okay. Beautiful. Absolutely magnificent. I love it. So I, I, I try, Sierra, I try um, sort of wrap up the uh, episodes with, with two questions that I like to ask uh, all, all my guests. And it's, it's, it's amazing the feedback that I get because it's very telling of uh, the guests, but it also sort of helps folks uh, walk away with something that's very tangible and some tools um, and I think that's what this podcast is about is really empowering, giving people tools and not just sort of platitudes and, and, uh, and rhetoric. So the two questions are as follows. If you could choose anyone in the world for that matter, you know, dead, dead or alive, they can be with us or they could have passed on, um, just to spend 15 minutes with, and you can ask them absolutely anything. Who would that be? And why? Ooh, one person? One person, yep. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Oh, wow. Okay, so one person would be, I'm a huge admirer of Bishop T.D. Jakes. Um, He is a businessman. He's a a megachurch pastor. He's a writer. He's an author. Um, He writes film. And and if I had a chance, I'm really inspired by his life and his work. If I got 15 minutes to sit down with him, I would just ask him, um, when did he realize that he was different? And what are some of the tools that he has used to navigate his zone of genius? Because what I'm realizing is that the more you elevate, 
relationships get challenged as you need to kind of constantly reposition people as you level up in life. And so for someone like him who I, I recognize his gift and his genius, I would just want to know how is he able to just kind of continue to cultivate and nourish healthy relationships and boundaries on his journey to success. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So he has the, uh, he has, I guess, the, the finale question that I, that I, uh, I like to, to probe and ask a guest before, uh, before the standing ovation. So there you are, Sarah. You are, you are uh, you're 95 years old. <clears throat> There's a, a boom microphone that um, is w- sort of traveling around the room, uh, around this huge cake with 95 candles on it. To your left is your significant other. To your right are uh, members of your extended family. Um, there are a number of folks <clears throat> that are students or products of the work that you do and as the boom microphone makes its way around this rather intimate group of people what do you want them to be saying about you oh wow that's a hard one I get really odd I, I you know what it's so funny because I'm not really good at um, describing myself so I don't know I think what I think they would say about me I think they would say that I was such a giver and I had yeah. such a heart for people. I was a hard worker. I was relentless in my faith. Um, I think they would say I inspired them to pursue their own dreams and their own goals. I think they would say I inspired them to continue to get up. You know, if you get knocked down nine times, you get up ten. You know, I think people would say I inspired them to keep going. Um, and I think people would say I inspired them to extend grace yep. to themselves and to, th- and to those around them, understanding that, you know, we are all in this together and if we can learn to just kind of share compassion and extend compassion, you know, we can help each other make it through. Um, so, yeah, I think that's pretty much, they would, they would probably say I was a hard worker. I inspired um, them. I was a giver. I contributed to my community and I made a difference. If I achieve my goal, my life purpose, then they would say that I made an impact with my no, it's life. Ama- it's amazing, Sarah. When I've asked this question to just a broad range of people, the fact that um, you sort of you struggle with it is, to me, it speaks volumes about you in terms of your humility and your modesty. And it's clearly clear to me, at least, that you're not uh, on this journey for self-aggrandizement as much as it is to really uh, help people mm. to take your, your challenges and hopefully ensure that, that other folks can learn from it. And um, I think you are absolutely terrific. I think uh, that you're someone who clearly, as I've said on occasions before, have been through tough times and yet you've come through it and are not bitter, but rather are better. And right. you as you say, most people will uh, will continue to color within the lines. I think you, like myself, is a little bit more out of the box. And instead of saying, you know, I'm only one person in the world, <clears throat> I think we all realize that that may be true, but we are at least the world to at least one person. Yeah. So I think you you your message, uh, I think, is profound. I think it will resonate very much with our listeners. 
to wrap up, can you give our listeners just um, a sense of where they can learn a little bit, little bit more uh, about you and or your books um, as, you know, as a follow-up to, uh, to this podcast? Absolutely. So I would invite you guys to follow me on um, social at Sierra okay. Rain, or you can visit me at my website, www.livelimitless.co. Um, right now, we do have um, some really great offers. We're launching our online um, author activation series. This is an online course for people who want to understand the manuscript and book development process and who really want to write a book and to release it to the masses. And so this is a step-by-step course that walks you through that process. And we also have our Live Limitless podcast, which is on all streaming platforms. And so you can connect with me in any of these places to just kind of learn more about my journey, more about what I'm doing. Um, and, you know, I would love to connect. Sarah, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, I think that you bring, without question, uh, a spark of, of, of light in a dark world, and the world is certainly a better place uh, in that Sierra Range Jones has sojourned in it. I, I, I have a good feeling that um, we are in some way, shape, or form going to cross paths and or collaborate because it's, it's, uh, it's incredible how there's so much of your thesis and your drive, which dovetails so much with my life journey and what uh, I guess the premise of the show is. So I want to thank you again. Um, wish wish you continued success and uh, to our listeners again. Um, it'll be when we when we upload to Spotify and uh, iTunes, etc. Um, we'll remind folks of the website and all, uh, of all the, all that good stuff. But continued success, and Sarah, you're terrific, and um, I'm really rooting for you. And I'm sure uh, we'll be doing things together as well. Thank you so much for having me. Enjoy your time here in Orlando. I appreciate you, your voice, your mission, and your message, and I wish you massive success. Thank you, Sarah. Cheers. You're welcome. Bye-bye.